please pray with me. God of grace, let the words that are spoken and the words that are heard be blessed by you, the living word. Amen. Happy Easter. Today is the second Sunday in the Easter season, this season of seven weeks, when we continue to celebrate the new life that is available to us through God. Every year in this season, the Christian Church includes readings from the Book of Acts in the lectionary calendar of Scriptures for Sundays. The Book of Acts focuses on a community of people trying to figure out what it means and what it looks like to live lives that are modeled after the life of Jesus Christ. Many ways we connect to God are rather intangible, like prayer. But Christianity is the faith of the incarnation, a faith that locates itself in the solid place of the body. So our faith also offers us very tangible ways to connect to God. One of those is through community, including the community of folks who gather around this place, this church, the people who gather to carry out the work we have said we're about. This church, or any church, offers some very tangible ways to connect with God, not only through concrete projects, but also through the project of being community. Christian writer Donald Miller has a whole chapter about community in his book, Blue Like Jazz. I have to say from what I'm about to share from his writing, I suspect that Don Miller doesn't have a particularly strong leaning toward social justice. And I say this because I think many Christian writings focused on social justice also focus on community. But having said that, Don Miller writes that most of what he reads about Christian spirituality talks about things you do alone. There are books that talk about prayer, about what to believe, about living a moral life, all of which are oriented to the individual and to things you can do alone. Don Miller has a line in parentheses that makes me laugh, though. He says, I hadn't seen a single book, parentheses, outside the majority of books in the New Testament, close parentheses, that addressed a group of people or a community with advice about faith. That's right, aside from the Bible, that book that Christians say is uniquely important to us, but aside from that, Christian books don't address people as a group or as a community. Whether or not Christian books primarily speak to us as individuals, Don Miller is exactly right here about the New Testament. The majority of the New Testament addresses communities, not individuals. That is certainly true of the passage we heard this morning. The passage says this, Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to any as had need." Of course, there are lots of questions about what really happened or how it really worked. 
For those of us who are not biblical literalists, one of the ways we assess what the Bible says is to look at what other writings say and compare them. It's hard to flesh out the details, but it's clear that there was something to these claims of the quality of early Christian community. A theologian named Justin Martyr, who lived and wrote in the second century, said this about Christian community. We, who once took most pleasure in accumulating wealth and property, now share with everyone in need. We, who hated and killed one another and would not associate with men of different tribes because of their different customs, now, since the coming of Christ, live familiarly with them and pray for our enemies. That's from Justin Martyr. Also in the second century, we hear from Tertullian. Tertullian is known for being the first one to use the word trinity in the context of Christian theology. Tertullian wrote about the Christian community he was part of. He said, Our care for the derelict and our active love have become our distinctive sign before the enemy. See, they say, how they love one another and how ready they are to die for each other. We have a picture of Christian community and Christian behavior from the book of Acts and from second century writers that suggests that early Christians may have radically set aside self-interest in favor of the common good. This picture includes love and grace and testimony, but it also includes ways of dealing with property and money that prioritize the common good over self-interest. I'm not asking you to die for one another, as Tertullian says. I'm asking you to think about the ways you can value the common good above what is good for you. I'm asking you to sometimes give up what pleases you for the sake of someone else or for the sake of the whole. I'm asking you to commit to things that do not serve your own needs. And I'm not saying that you don't already do some of this. I think there are ways that most of us do this in many, on many occasions, in many circumstances. And I also think that human nature includes a certain degree of self-centeredness so that we all have room to grow. The picture of practical, material ways this can happen is very compelling. But just for today, I'm going to focus on the nature of being community together. It does make me want to have a part two to the sermon. Sometimes part of the sermon writing process is deleting things. And it's clear to me there could be three entire sermons about community on this passage. Being community is not easy. Relationships between human beings are complicated and require work. Here's how Don Miller writes about his transition from living alone to living in a house with five other young men from his church. When you live on your own for years, you begin to think the world belongs to you. You begin to think all space is your space and all time is your time. I didn't like the feeling of having to work with people. We would have a community meeting and talk about who wasn't doing their chores or who was leaving dirty dishes in the sink. And if I felt accused, I would lash back at whoever accused me. 
living in community made me realize one of my faults. I was addicted to myself. Living with people isn't easy. And I don't just mean living with people as in living in the same house together. I mean living in the same neighborhood, living in the same church community together, living in this world together. It isn't easy. It's certainly something I struggle with. Even living together as a couple is hard. There are always little issues about tidiness or time or space. Almost unconsciously, I can act as if I have a different right to space than others in my family. Here's how I observe that. When I leave my dirty dishes in the sink, it doesn't bother me at all. (laughs) When my spouse does the same thing, it annoys me. And back when we had a kid in the house, when our kid did the same things, it really annoyed me. Now, is that fair? No, it's totally not fair. (laughs) It's hard to take ourselves out of the center of the universe and place ourselves alongside a whole bunch of other people, whether our family or our neighbors or our church or the world. It's hard not to care more about our own comfort and desires and opinions than we care about other people's comfort and desires and opinions. What makes me think this? I think it's hard because I notice it in myself, and I'm just assuming that I am not particularly unique. This is just a small example that illustrates that larger dynamic of how easy it is to put our self-interest first. I want us to do community well here in this church. I want the whole human community to do community well, but I'm more optimistic about this church than I am about the whole human community. Plus, you all are listening to me. The whole human community is not. I'm not asking you to die for one another, as Tertullian said. I'm not asking you to hold everything you own in common with the other members of this church. I'm not asking you to sell your houses and bring the proceeds of what was sold. In other words, I'm not asking you to do the things that the Christian community in Acts may well have done. I am asking you to think about how you can contribute to the quality of community each of us will experience here. Here's just a piece of what I've learned in the process of stumbling and bumbling through attempts at various kinds of community. To be a community, we must invest in real relationships. An important piece of this is practicing basic communication skills. When you talk to your fellow community members, use I messages. This means that you express your thoughts and your feelings, your beliefs, rather than commenting on someone else's thoughts or feelings or beliefs. And I would ask you to take that even one step further and to talk to one another from a heartfelt place. Ask yourself, why do I think or feel this way And then share with your brothers and sisters in this church from that heartfelt place. Sharing of yourself from a heartfelt place can be vulnerable. Making ourselves vulnerable is always a risk. But our faith teaches us that God is our safety net in the face of risk. 
Surely you can rely upon our God and upon your core identity as a child of God to give you enough security that you can afford to take a risk for the sake of community. Good communication also means that we really listen to one another. Many of you already know the tool of reflecting back what you've heard, checking with the person who's speaking to you to make sure that you accurately understood what they're trying to say. It's a good practice. I am a huge fan of curiosity, and I think it has enormous value when it comes to building community. If you are curious about your brothers and sisters in this church, if you really want to know their stories, their experiences, their thoughts, if you have a genuine desire to understand where someone else is coming from, that will take you a long way toward building relationships. Just as I suggest that we risk trusting one another, we also need to be trustworthy. This means that as that other person shares from a heartfelt place, or as you exercise your curiosity about someone's life and someone's story, you hold that with tenderness. One of what we've been calling experiments in this church, one experiment from this church's pathway process that's currently happening, is the invitation to have a conversation with someone in the church community you don't already know. This experiment comes out of the hospitality theme team, and so many of us love to come to church and see our friends and visit with our friends. But we're inviting folks to have conversations that simply build relationships. And then we're inviting folks to reflect deeply on what that experience is like, that experience of having a real conversation with someone you don't already know. It's one more small little example of how we can set aside what we most enjoy, conversations with our friends, for the sake of the good of the community. And every single one of you can participate in this experiment, and you're invited to come a week from today, next Sunday after this service, to, to share and participate in that reflection on how that experiment goes, what that experience is like for you. Having a genuine, earnest interest in other people, that curiosity I just spoke of, is an excellent tool for building relationships and strengthening community. All of this takes a generous dose of humility and forgiveness. We need to be willing to forgive one another when they fall short of this vision of Christian community. And we need to humbly acknowledge it when we ourselves fall short. I've been at this church long enough now, and you know me well enough, that if you chose, and uh, if your memories are good enough, you all could point out examples of times when I have fallen short of these hopes that I am preaching. I need to practice this also. The New Testament is striking in that it primarily addresses groups. It speaks to communities, not individuals. If we want to be disciples of Jesus, we need to take this to heart. God calls us into community. Answering this call means playing our part to contribute to the well-being of the community as community. May we all answer this call to this aspect of discipleship. Amen.